This is Briar Klopp, and I'm a sales agronomist for CHS Ag Services in Greenbush, Minnesota. We're pleased to bring you this update from the Red River Farm Network. CHS Ag Services, providing solutions for your success. Thursday Farm News on the Red River Farm Network. I'm Randy Conan along with Whitney Pittman and Sierra Doctor. Well, light snow and flurries are expected across the northern plains most days through next week, Wednesday. World Weather Incorporated says snowfall will be the heaviest Tuesday and Wednesday in the southwest. Occasional snow will also fall during the second week of that two-week outlook, which begins February 23rd. Temperatures warming into the 30s and 40s tomorrow and then cooling into the negative and positive single digits by Wednesday. Lows by Wednesday will fall into the single digits and teens below zero. Could even see a few minus 20 degree readings in the northwest. The latest U.S. drought monitor remains nearly unchanged for the northern plains. All of North Dakota, South Dakota, and the western half of Minnesota remain in D0 to D1, abnormally dry to moderate drought conditions. The rest of the High Plains and Midwest saw a slight improvement in drought conditions. Weather remains a mixed bag for South America. World Weather Incorporated says Paraguay and much of Brazil will see regular rounds of rain and thunderstorms over the next two weeks, slowing harvest times. The northeastern and far southern regions of Brazil will remain mostly dry. Southern Argentina will have little opportunity for additional drought relief as a drier weather pattern returns beginning this weekend. World Weather says northern Argentina will get some timely rains with up to half-inch rain uh, will fall late next week before dry weather returns February 28th through March 2nd. Report from the Minnesota Department of Agriculture's Grain Advisory Task Force will be reviewed in the House Ag Committee this afternoon. Chair Samantha Vang says a change in statute is being proposed. I'm hearing from a lot of stakeholders about wanting to do a grain indemnity fund and so it's it's been um, issue, a recurring issue for many of grain producers uh, when elevators uh, go um, bankrupt um, and, and, and are left, uh, and the grain producers are left with not just having a loss, not getting paid for, for their grain. And so Minnesota's latest budget forecast will be released February 28th. The budget surplus is expected to increase beyond the current record level of $18 billion. That would be good news if, if we have an increase. Um, I, I think uh, what's most important to me will be advocating for a healthy ag uh, budget because uh, we know there's a lot of priorities that we can do uh, to achieve an ag. So. Um, that will be the main thing for me is to, because uh, usually the ag budget uh, is, is, you know, less than 1% of, of the entire uh, budget. So I, um, you know, I think the most important thing will be to continue to fight for uh, a strong, healthy budget for ag so that we can do great things. The Senate Agriculture Committee focused on nutrition programs in its hearing this morning. The questions broke along party lines with Democrats praising SNAP and other nutrition programs. Republicans quizzed USDA officials about government waste and the need for oversight. The North Dakota House Agriculture Committee has until Friday to get bills acted on in committee. The they heard more discussion on House Bill 1515 that would allow for direct sale to consumers of raw milk. North Dakota Department of Ag Dairy Program Coordinator Nathan Crow says the commissioner would not support the bill as originally written. 
the commissioner was actually not in favor of the bill as written and he would prefer to just make changes to the current herd share agreements rather than to open up the uh, sales under our licensing. The grade A permit is strictly re re regulated by the Department of Ag, so you would have to remove any permitting or grade A Reference. designation. Minnesota has similar rules. It just says milk can be obtained or purchased at a dairy farm. They do not regulate it. They do not do anything further than that. Discussion will continue following today's floor session. The committee also heard House Bill 1423 that would amend the zoning model used by local authorities for less restrictions on animal operations. North Dakota Ag Department Deputy Commissioner Tom Bodine says right now the state is one of the most restrictive in the country, but that model does work in some cases. We are one of the most restrictive states in the nation when it comes to a uh, animal feeding operation. Others zone in feet. We always talk about we zone in miles. That is a huge difference between when we work with businesses to try to get developed. It's a, it's a challenging situation, but it also works in certain situations. That bill passed through committee 11 to 1 to 1. The uh, North Dakota Senate Agriculture Committee heard a hearing this morning to review a number of bills. Committee recommended due pass for bills HB 1100, which updates meat inspections, regulations uh, will meet federal regulations, and HB 1101, which relates to the fee collection of brucellosis tags and health books. Bill SB 2037 would also make joining water resources mandatory. Senator Larry Lewick explains. Right now, it is optional to join a joint board. The problem is, Senator Hogan, is if you have two counties that adjoin one another or three and they have a shared watershed and if they don't want to join because they have personality conflict, they don't. But the problem is we still have to maintain and oversee and handle all of the requirements that are needed to maintain that drain. So what we're asking them to do is cordially join up in a joint board because <laughs> we have areas where this is coming to some serious conflicts. And that bill was tabled until tomorrow when further action can be taken. Thursday's A commodity trade was quiet with traders waiting for fresh news. Heartland Commodities and Securities Market Analyst Jason Winters says trade, traders are trying to sort out the outside markets. CPI number that came out on Tuesday and then the PPI number that came out here today and, and uh, both uh, had inflation a little bit higher than what the markets were inspected and and uh, probably if there's anything happening, uh, it's more so in the outside markets here today with uh, the, the S&P selling off pretty hard now and the Dow Jones selling off uh, pretty hard. Winters expects the market action to pick up next week as we approach option expiration and first notice day. Reporting agriculture's business. You're listening to the Red River Farm Network. Thursday Farm News on the Red River Farm Network. USDA's weekly export sales report for the week ending February 9th shows old and new crop corn sales of 1.12 million metric tons. That is 4% less than the previous week and 11% below the four-week average. Old and new crop soybean sales at 772,000 tons are 20% more than the previous week, but 19% less than the four-week average. Combines old and new combines new 
Old and new crop wheat sales of 233,000 tons are 54% more than the previous week, but 33% less than the four-week average. USDA's weekly export sales report for the week ending February 9th showed beef export sales at 28,000 metric tons, 71% more than the previous week and 33% more than the four-week average. Beef shipments at 17,000 metric tons are 8% more than the previous week and 2% more than the four-week average. Top destinations, South Korea, Japan, China, Mexico, and Taiwan. Net pork sales during the week ending February 9th shows net pork sales of 45,000 metric tons, 56% more than the previous week and 30% more than the four-week average. Shipments are reported at 31,000 metric tons. That's unchanged from the previous week, but 4% less than the four-week average. Top destinations for pork are Mexico, China, Japan, South Korea, South Korea and Canada. NDSU has released their projected crop budgets for 2023. NDSU Extension Farm Management Specialist Ron Haugen says expenses will look a little different for this year. Getting to fertilizer first, fertilizer costs are, are flat to down a little bit. Some fertilizers went down, but then the rate applied is a little higher than the previous year because last year at this time we were coming off the drought of 2021. And so then the rates for the fertilizer, there was a lot of nitrates and, and fertilizer still in the soil. And uh, so then we didn't have to apply as much. So now we're applying the more normal amount and the, and the fertilizer prices are a little lower. So the overall cost per acre is close to even or a little less than last year. The crop budgets are broken up by region and Haugen says there are trends of profitability across the different regions. This year, generally, the, the regions are up and down, or, or the, are, are kind of following each other. Usually in the valley regions, the North Valley and the South Valley, the land costs are so much higher there than in the western part of the state. So that usually brings down some of the profitability, even though the yields are higher, the costs are higher in those eastern regions. So that, that's kind of a trend that's a traditional trend that occurs. Livestock indemnity program application deadline coming up March 1st. South Dakota Farm Service Agency disaster program manager Logan Kaufman says if you filed a notice of loss, then now is the time to get the rest of that document submitted. When producers are applying um, under the LIFT program, um, we, they have to have had um, losses above normal mortality, but also have filed a notice of loss within, within 30 days of that loss becoming apparent. Uh, the big key um, for when producers are completing their application for payment by that March 1st, 2023 deadline is they do have to have all of their documentation um, available and submitted to the county office by that deadline. Uh, and that documentation includes beginning inventory, documentation to support their beginning inventory of numbers for livestock, as well as uh, death loss documentation as well. Payments for LIP should be distributed soon after the applications are completed. All of our offices are slightly different just because of workload scenarios, um, but the Livestock Indemnity Program uh, payments are able to go out almost immediately. Um, so as soon as the producer provides that um, their, their documentation and completes their application for payment, um, it can be as soon as, you know, that same week that they turn that in um, out to, you know, a couple weeks to a month again, just depending on, um, specific workload in, in the county offices, but uh, a fairly short uh, turnaround to receive that benefit. 
Ukrainian military officials are warning mines anchored near the Black Sea port of, Ar- of Odessa could break loose during a storm. An Odessa spokesperson said there is a high risk of naval mines drifting along the coast and washing up on shore. Grain is still moving through the Black Sea, but there are significant delays due to an increase in inspections. Don't forget, you can find out more about Red River Farm Network radio affiliates. Listen to this broadcast, podcast, and more on your phone. Bookmark rrfn.com. This is the Red River Farm Network. Welcome to Inside Agriculture on the Red River Farm Network. Elanco Animal Health Beef Cattle Veterinarian Thatch Winslow says a good vaccination program considers a livestock producer's environment and herd management. I learned very quickly that those protocols needed to be changed and modified for every client that I had. And so um, when we start talking about how should we vaccinate and with what and when, it's so critical that a producer have a local veterinarian that is in tune to their operation, their part of the country, um, what diseases are there to help build that program. So when we look at the viral vaccines or the viral pathogens, IBR and BVD are the most common and probably are a risk to just about every herd in the country. Winslow says building a reputation for healthy calves will put premiums into producers' pockets. The calves that have been well vaccinated, those cattle, the, the buyers have confidence that they're going to perform better. And sure enough, over time, if they buy them and one year they do well, the next year they're going to pay even more for it. So um, whatever we do, if we're, again, if we're selling feeders, they're going to be well vaccinated. They're going to have a good deworming history. So we're, we're, we're setting that calf up as best we can to perform uh, in the feedlot. Checking markets before we leave you this afternoon. March wheat Minneapolis now six cents higher at 9.30 and three quarters. July is five and a quarter higher. Chicago March wheat down four and three quarters at six at 7.64 and a half. March soybeans six and a half higher at 9.01. March corn up a half penny now at 6.76 and three quarters. December corn is down a penny and a quarter at 5.94. March soybeans a penny and a quarter higher at 15.27. November soybeans eight and three quarter cents higher at 13.83 and three quarters. Meal is down 20 cents a ton. The bean oil 73 points higher. March canola in Winnipeg is a dollar and 40 cents a metric ton higher at 8.24.50 Canadian. April live cattle down 52 cents at 164.07. June's down 40. The March feeder cattle down 97 cents at 186.35. April's down 60. April lean hogs down 60 cents at 85.90. The June hogs down 95. This is the Red River Farm Network.